Hello, welcome to Let's Talk Sim, brought to you by Anaxel. On this podcast, we interview innovators in the field of simulation to discuss new methodologies, the current and future state of the field, learning resources, and inspiring stories. Anaxel is dedicated to advancing the science of healthcare simulation, and this podcast is an extension of our passion for simulation. I'm your host, Jennifer Alderman. Associate Professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill School of Nursing and co-chair of the Anaxel Membership Committee. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Let's Talk Sim podcast brought to you by Anaxel. Today, we welcome Dr. Cynthia Clark, Professor Emeritus at Boise State University and founder of Civility Matters. Dr. Clark is a world-renowned expert on incivility, and that is what we're going to talk about today with about Dr. Clark's expertise and her work in simulation, particularly cognitive rehearsal, as a strategy to combat incivility. So welcome, Dr. Clark. Oh, greetings, Dr. Alderman. I am so excited to be with you today. It's really a privilege, and I want to welcome everyone to um, this podcast. I'm just so happy to be part of the Anaxel podcast series, so thank you. Thank you. So let's start off with um, your, you weighing in on the state of the science of incivility in nursing um, and just healthcare in general. Yeah, yeah, so thank you for the question. Um, I'd like to begin by kind of defining the more positive outcome that we wish to achieve or the end game, if you will, which is civility and healthy work environments. And so my colleagues and I recently published an updated concept analysis of civility. And what we discovered and what was affirmed from the first one that I did with a colleague back in 2008 is that civility is really intentional. It means that we choose to engage in respectful, inclusive ways. And we do that because we want to foster belonging. We want to build relationships, meaningful connections. It means that we extend one another the, the dignity and the respect that each of us deserves. And we do this, especially perhaps when we disagree. So civility in, in uh, general means that it's a choice. It's a decision we make every single day with every encounter, with every interaction. And it helps us create healthy work environments and learning environments where we all feel like we're welcome, like we're valued, like we belong. And so if we see civility in a workplace, wherever that might be, or even just society in general, um, we're looking at people who collaborate, who work well as a team, who manage conflict in constructive ways. We treat one another in a professional and respectful manner. We step up, we do our part, we pitch in, we take collective responsibility for the work that needs to be done. And one of the things I often mention about civility is it's not really about liking. In other words, we don't have to like someone to be civil and respectful. Now, if you and I work together and we like each other, that's great, that's a bonus, mm -hmm. but it's not required for us to treat one another 
with respect. And so when we think about incivility, I kind of think about it a continuum. Uh, on the left side of that continuum tends to be less disruptive forms of workplace aggressions like nonverbals, maybe eye rolling, arm waving, walking away before a conversation is over, all the way to the right side of that continuum, which can be threats or actual acts of violence like a campus or a hospital shooting, and then everything in between, including things like bullying, cyberbullying, when we see workplace mobbing, all kinds of situations that threaten others. And one last thing about this is that, that it's important to remember that incivility and other workplace aggressions include not only what we do, but what we don't do. So for example, if we stay silent when we need to speak up, when we fail to acknowledge or support a coworker, when we ignore or marginalize others, or we withhold important or vital information, especially in the patient care areas where withholding vital information can be the difference between life and death. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making those distinctions around those definitions. That's very helpful. So moving then to a, a strategy to deal with incivility, which is cognitive rehearsal. And I know you've done a ton of work in this. So can you describe what cognitive rehearsal is and how that's a strategy for dealing with incivility? Absolutely. I love this question. <laughs> so first, let me say that some like to call communication and conflict negotiation soft skills. Yes. And for me, I call them power skills in capital letters because they are some of the most difficult skills to hone and master because every single encounter is different. Different environment, different individuals, different context, different tone, different delivery. So all of these take a lot of practice, practice, and more practice mm -hmm. because talking about the problem certainly is not enough. So we need role play in simulation, in debriefing sessions to learn to prevent and address uncivil or conflicted situations, particularly when patient or team uh, member safety are at stake. So I like to use cognitive rehearsal. This is a behavioral strategy whereby groups and individuals work with a skilled facilitator, and I underline that word skilled, mm -hmm. to practice and rehearse effective ways to address these encounters. So facilitators of cognitive rehearsal use role play, simulation, to have individuals repeatedly rehearse addressing an uncivil encounter or situation while simultaneously coaching that person or persons to utilize effective communication and conflict negotiation skills and then doing a deep debriefing. This powerful combination of skill sets, and I know so many in our audience are super skilled in the area of simulation and debriefing, yes. know that this is a ton of uh, power combination to really help us address workplace issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And, um, and just knowing, I just want to shout out for the Inaxel, you know, healthcare 
best uh, standards of best practice for simulation, which is what exactly you're talking about here as far as the skilled facilitator and the effective debriefings. Um, so can you talk more about your work related to incorporating cognitive rehearsal into simulation? Yes, of course. So I will just briefly mention that I see it as a, a five-step process, that the first step would be pre-briefing. Um, the second would be to identify certain uncivil scenarios that can be simulated. I can create those scenarios for participants, but what I've discovered in my work is that it's much more effective if participants are able to identify their own experiences mm -hmm. because it brings a much more intense emotional experience that we can work through. And what I like to use are evidence-based models or approaches to help people begin to craft a response or a way of, sometimes I call them conversation starters, using different evidence-based models like the CUS model by Team Steps mm -hmm. or PALE by Harvard Sim Center, and then really getting to the heart of it, which is to rehearse and role play those encounters. And um, obviously, our listeners know the importance of repetitive practice. Yes. That first we understand the skill, then we refine the skill, and we practice until it's almost automatic. And the same is true with the work that I do with cognitive rehearsal and then wrapping that up with a um, debriefing session. So for me, I've been using cognitive rehearsal. I was trying to think, gosh, I think I started using it back in the early 2000s in my classes with my students. And since then, I've been working with nurses and educators almost in a way of a train the trainer kind of experience to help apply cognitive rehearsal for people um, to address uh, incivility and other forms of workplace aggression. And one of the things we mentioned a moment ago is that need for a sophisticated, skilled and experienced facilitator. Because with this content, it's very sensitive, it's yes. very personal, mm -hmm. and it can trigger memories of our own experiences and encounters. So um, sometimes this can be pretty um, intense work. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of leads to the next uh, question here, which is why is simulation a good method for practicing cognitive rehearsal? Well, I think it's just an extremely um, important because kind of how I mentioned a moment ago, which mm -hmm. is it's not a one and done. Yes. We... The ability to hone and master these skills is, is an ongoing effort. And in order for us to be able to do cognitive rehearsal effectively or simulation for other um, you know, events or activities mm -hmm. also requires us to set some good ground rules so that we're all sort of on the same page in creating that psychologically safe situation for our learners. And as I mentioned, every situation is unique. So even though we may feel like we can address a certain situation in an effective manner, 
we need to be able to have a transfer of those skills to similar situations that may occur in the in the practice or the learning environment. Mm -hmm. And I just want to call attention. I had had the pleasure of listening to Dr. Cynthia Peranda's yes. um, uh, webinar with you, your podcast yeah. uh, re most recently, and she. Um, had many interesting and important things to say around simulation um, and cultural sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned the pre-briefing model that she and her colleagues have created uh, with the acronym GRASPED. Yes. And um, she talks about the importance, as I do, <laughs> around ground rules. In fact, many times I think this is one of the most important things we do because we are dealing with that sensitive content and creating that safe psychological space or what John Palfrey calls brave spaces for us to be able to enter this kind of learning experience in a way that enables us to create and be um, not only creators of healthy work environments, but leaders in creating healthy work environments. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for referencing um, episode three podcast uh, with Dr. Ferranda. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and she is such an expert in her field as well. So moving now to a couple of uh, papers of yours um, from Nurse Educator in the Journal of Nursing Education, in which you know you published this work around using cognitive rehearsal and simulation. Can you talk about those outcomes, Dr. Clark, of practicing CR and simulation? What, what did you find, what, you know, key learnings with the uh, participants in the debriefs and feedback from the learners? Wow, you know, oh gosh. One of the studies that you're referencing out of the Journal of Nursing Education was really tremendous. And um, I'll give a shout out to my co-author on that, um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Karen Gordon. Yes. And that was that was really an incredible experience because what we did is we worked um, a cognitive rehearsal intervention. I think it was about 200 undergraduates who were entering for the first time their nursing program. Yes. And so they had had no exposure really to, you know, what might, what, what we believed as a nurse, they might experience because they were not nursing students. They had not entered their clinical, mm -hmm. you know, uh, experiences right. and activities yet. So what we did that day with those 200 nurses is do kind of that step-by-step -step that I talked about. We provided some pre-briefing and didactic work around you know, um, what is incivility? What are workplace aggressions? How do they affect you know, individuals, teams, organizations? And then we had those 200 students break into small groups and ask them to come up with real or potential uncivil encounters that they might experience in, in a healthcare setting. And we were astounded mm -hmm. to learn that First of all, immediately they came up with uncivil encounters and that it had to do often with them being family members and experiencing incivility toward a family member or a loved one by members of the healthcare team and how that impacted them. 
Some of them had been CNAs, uh, uh, nurse assistants, mm -hmm. and mentioned numerous examples of incivility. So that was one of the startling findings for us that within moments, each group had identified multiple examples of incivility. And then what we had each of those small groups do is pick one, and then we taught them uh, Dr. Gordon, my, my co-author, yes. is a master trainer in heart math. Mm -hmm. So we helped the students learn heart math and other key interventions that they would use, including scripts that I talked about before using the CUSP model, for example, mm -hmm. to address an uncivil situation. So we had them simulate that and role play that for the rest and then we did debriefing. Oh my gosh, what an, it, it was very exciting. Um, and then we followed up after their first clinical experience some months later to say, did you use mm -hmm. either heart, heart math or the work that we did in cognitive rehearsal to address issues in the actual work environment? And in many cases, the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I could go, go on and on about that, but um, maybe, maybe that suffices for your question. Yes, yes. So I love how you uh, did this as far as having this um, activity like preclinical, right, for these students so that they could kind of go into those, their clinicals with some skills, you know, through the cognitive rehearsal simulation. So I think what a, what a brilliant strategy that was um, and how powerful that they came into that, even preclinically having had all those examples, but then leaving that activity with some tools, you know, in advance of their clinical rotation. So that's, that's phenomenal work. You know, it, it was great because um, what isn't reflected much in that particular article is yes. What what always happens in 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 the aftermath, right? Yes. Um, immediately after our day with with this group of students who came up to us, some some literally with tears in their eyes, thanking us. Oh wow! For providing them with this opportunity. I mean, it was such a gratifying thing. And I had worked with uh, my own students for years um, doing cognitive rehearsal and. Um, actually published some work in the uh, Journal of uh, Clinical Simulation mm -hmm. on work that, that, that I had done. And I wanted to say for our audience that a lot of times um, folks at least will say to me, gosh, I can't get time in the sim lab, blah, blah. You know what? I don't think I was ever much in the sim lab um, or the sim center. I would just do it in my classroom. Right. You know? And sometimes I had upwards of 80 students. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's the mastery of the educator and the simulation person and the debriefer to bring this alive in whatever setting we're in. Also doing it in real time in situ in our mm -hmm. um, practice or learning environments. Yes. That's really great advice because the work is too important to do, to um, be overly you know, concerned about the perfect setting to do it in, such as a sim lab or sim center. And thank you for providing those examples because we have folks listening um, who may not have an official sim center or sim space you know, in their, in their um, educational setting. So that's, 
wonderful to think of it in different ways or where to do it, you know, in different places. So, um, so finally then, um, as far as next steps or recommendations for advancing your work or future practice or kind of final words of wisdom for our audience uh, around this topic, Dr. Clark. Yeah, well, I'm pretty excited to see cognitive rehearsal really coming into the forefront. And um, I want to really acknowledge Dr. Martha Griffin, who mm -hmm. whose seminal work back in 2004 really set the stage for all of us. Um, it was from her work. That's when I started using cognitive rehearsal. And um, she and I have done some work together and done some publications together. And what I see happening now, all these years later, it's just so exciting because we're starting to see intervention studies and we need more intervention studies to see, is this an effective technique? Because in, in some studies, yes, and in some studies, not so much. And what we uh, also give a shout out to Dr. Uh, Susie Cardonegrin and Dr. Janet Wilhouse. We did a study using biomarkers and we've just submitted that for publication. And um, what we found in our study is that what we need is that repetitive work that um, it, it, can't, it, it doesn't work to just do it a time or two. It really needs to be integrated into the learning. Um, and in my, you mentioned the article in Nurse mm -hmm. Educator, we need to see this work integrated through the entire curriculum, not just either what I see often in schools of nursing in particular is that you might see a class at the beginning yes. on incivility, going back to my own work, mm -hmm. uh, you know, looking at, at, through that lens or at the very end, some, uh, you know, say a leadership course yes. where, and, and really what we need is this work to be threaded throughout the curriculum. So I would love to see more intervention studies, um, it would be great to conduct studies with experienced nurses versus novice nurses, because mm -hmm. my hypothesis would be that experienced nurses may have more proficiency delivering care under stressful and un uncivil circumstances. Yes. So I think I think the, the world is wide open in terms of, of ways that we can address this. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom and time today for our podcast, Dr. Clark. We are very grateful and keep doing your wonderful work. And, you know, all of us can certainly work to help advance this uh, as well. So thank you so much today for your time. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? This was such a joy for me and such a privilege. So thank you for the opportunity. And I just want to wish all the listeners and everyone else out there goodwill good health, and safekeeping. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening today to Let's Talk Sim. Please go to our website, anaxel.org, to learn more about Anaxel, how to get involved in simulation, and gain access to Anaxel's member offerings. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Let's Talk Sim so you don't miss a second of the latest developments in simulation. See you next time.